0: Welcome to episode 5 of the Muck Podcast. I'm Tina and I'm Hillary. And here we go. We are going to cover some crazy stories in politics. We are. So, um,
1: you go first. I do go first. Um, Go to Instagram, the Muck Podcast. Follow us on uh, Apple if that's where you listen to subscribe. Give us stars. Rate us. I mean, what can I do around here? Get a rate. What can I do around here? Get a subscription. (laughs) Tina? yes yes
0: yes yes please follow us on all of our social media and support and share yes and again we're so excited for all of you that have uh, just been so supportive of us and we're so happy to be doing this and we're having so much fun and we just want to continue doing it yes okay so um I'm
1: first and this is going to be a really hard like a story for me and I'm I'm going to do my best not to cry but I'm human right like this oh, is like goodness. I know it's just it's super personal and I feel like you know I've had we had to put our dog down yesterday Aww. which sucks so bad but she was old like I can I can grip and deal with that death in a way yeah. that's better like I, I you know I had her for a long time and, and she's that doing dog good. was a sweet little pup she's a sweet angel my pickles she was a good girl but um so this story uh it's it's close to home and But I think it's so important to remember. And so I'm going to talk about the AIDS crisis in the United States. Okay. Um, During the 80s and the 90s, because there was a failure of the Reagan administration and other political entities and organizations that just left men dying. And so I think it's really important to remember um, that moment in our history because it was just this apathetic view of a community that was almost hidden Right. You well, know? and
0: there was a lot of fear mongering yes. around it. Um, right. I, I remember a lot of the. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but I remember these urban legends that yes. would go around right. where you know, um, be careful because you'll wake up and on the mirror it'll say you know, welcome to the world of AIDS. Oh my God! Yeah. I don't remember that. That's yes. like a crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And it, it just as ways to frighten people from. You know, well, also, I was th- even when I was doing this, I was thinking that that this was around the
1: time when, I mean, the '90s. I was a teenager and the '90s. The sexual activity was happening. I mean, I think that we were aware as a generation, us, that you know, safe sex and da 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 da. Like we were. That was part of our our education. And I think a lot of that did come from this crisis and and just being fully educated about
0: right right disease. it moved into that education but i i remember the time of yeah no the, totally no no 80s, misinformation misinformation yeah. and just we're going to talk about that yeah it just
1: yeah so for me um my uncle bill died from aids complications and it was in 2000 and it was still really hard like because uh we didn't, just like kind of the community, like we didn't talk about gay. We knew that he they were friends, right? Okay. But they never talked about being gay. I think it's because my uncle was older and it was private. He was from a different generation. It wasn't like we're out in the closet. It's like, yes, this is who I am, but it wasn't, you know, we didn't talk about it. So when his partner got sick, we were told that he had Lyme disease. And we just believed it because we didn't think twice about it. And honestly, I was raised in a very liberal area and my family was, there was nothing negative about being gay it wasn't anything that was ever so I regret never having those conversations and even when he died it wasn't until years later that we were told what really what it really wasn't I not from my mother my mother didn't even know like it was like from another family member we're like whoa like we had no idea that that was terrible it's terrible and it it's a thing that I regret so much because or I wish I had known although we really respected how they felt and they didn't want to discuss those things but I regret it because you miss those conversations you know you miss having just being able to say i love you you can tell me because i love you anyway like it just right. couldn't you know what i mean right. so it sucks but because i was thinking when i was doing this story and even last night uh when we were volunteering that um i the work that i do in the lgbtq community is because of them you know absolutely like that's what's oh, going to make me cry is because of it's because of their love and how much I love them, and I respected them and cared about them. Like that, I work so hard to uplift this community because even though they've the LGBTQ community has come so far, um, there's still so much work that has to be done. Absolutely. And um, another thing that really bothers me when I when I was reading about this story is just when something isn't discussed and kind of ignored. That's when bad things happen, and when you don't acknowledge. The things that are happening, they continue until it's like a bright spotlight, and it reminds me very much of what's happening in the trans community today, and how they are not as acknowledged and thought about and put put up into the forefront of the conversation when we talk about LGBTQ. And there's just an unbelievable violence that they suffer all the time, right? Especially black trans women. Really
0: doing much about it, and nobody's
1: really talking about it. Even yeah, they're not talking about it. They're not talking about it, and it's. Even when a murder happens, it's discussed for a couple of days, but there's there's no
0: real movement to well, and I feel like that under control. I feel like it's discussed within our community. I feel like we're aware of it, but community right? At no, large, I mean like yeah, no, total it's, no. It's not discussed. It's it. not highlighted. No, no, not at all.
1: And even Black trans women are always at the top of the list when we talk about HIV. Be have you know having HIV. So I really hope that we can start moving in that direction because it's it's something that has to happen. Okay. So this disease spread quickly and many died in a short period of time because of the failures of different organizations and communities. And so I want to talk about those four in a very small way, the gay community and we'll talk about that reason.
0: But uh, the medical community, government agencies and news media. Okay. I wonder like you'll probably cover it, but I wonder if like the World Health Organization They're a part of yeah. Yeah. I, I just I'm curious as to their role in their Um, the info that they put out.
1: Right. Okay. So my sources were NBC, there's an NBC story called the early days of America's AIDS crisis. There's a New York times article called mayor Koch AIDS record. Um, University of California, San Francisco, the 30 years, years of AIDS timeline. The Avert is a website, history of HIV and AIDS overview. And then there's this uh, seven and a half minute short documentary by Scott Kalanchio and it's on Vanity Fair website. It's called When AIDS Was Funny. And we'll talk about that, but it's so disturbing. And I I think we should put a link to it. So, you know, yeah. People don't really go to it because it, uh, well, well, I'll talk about what's in that. Okay. So and let's that. start. So pre 1980, um, I'm not going to get into the. the 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 information because it took me two weeks to get this together because there is so much information and there's so much I want to say and talk about but there is so much that I had to like narrow it down we talked about this several times I'm like I don't know how to do this story this one story because it's so much information so I figured out how to narrow it down so I'm not going to get into specifics about like who was patient zero or whatever like it got here it got there it's too much Right. I want to talk about those failures because that's kind of, that's what we're yeah, about. Yeah, that's right? what we're about. Yes. Okay. The the political end. Yes. So pre nineteen eighty, it is widely believed that HIV originated in the Democratic Republic of Congo around nineteen twenty, when HIV crossed species from chimpanzees to humans. Okay. This is a wide belief. Right? Yes, yes, yes. So they didn't know how many people were affected with HIV um at that time but um hiv was unknown and the transmission was not accompanied by noticeable signs or symptoms so it was in people's their system but it wasn't doing anything right this virus existed and and i
0: believe that there you can have you could be hiv positive but not necessarily have those develop the the development of aids right right now so so this is what was happening pre-1980 so
1: while sporadic cases of aids were documented prior to 1970 The available data suggests that the current epidemic at that point in 1980 started in the mid to late 1970s, okay? So just scientifically a little bit is HIV is a disease that attacks the blood cells in our bodies, more specifically the T cells. And then over time, HIV can destroy so many of these cells that the body can't fight off infections or disease. And thus what these cells, when these special cells help the immune system fight off infections. So once you have HIV and it starts to break away at those cells and you get a cold, it could be deadly. Right? Right. Right. And so, yeah, your immune system is completely compromised. Yes. And so when these things started happening in these, and it was happening in the gay community, these young men were all dying, but it, was, it would be for different things. You know, one wouldn't oh, have so they couldn't meningitis. It. One would have like, and it was like, we don't, under, why are, what, what's, why is it happening so quickly? Why can't we stop these things from these infections? It's because they all had their blood cells were all breaking down and nobody knew why it was happening, you know? And so let's first start with the gay community. So in 1980, when the AIDS epidemic started in the United States and gay men were dying in record numbers, it was only 11 years after the Stonewall riots. OK, oh. so Stonewall was fought by young people and trans people and sex workers, and they were all tired of how the police were treating them and were discriminating against them. The rich, white, gay community, gay community didn't get involved in those protests. They weren't out there in the streets fighting for gay rights because they were very comfortable. Right. It's always the ones who are uh, down in it. Right. And, and the more against. and the more marginalized. Yes. Ones that are that feeling the impact. Fight. Right. Fight for the rights for everybody. And so it wasn't until the rich gay wife – until their friends started dying out of nowhere and then no one had answers for them that it galvanized the entire community to come together and get out and start fighting together. So – because it was affecting everybody, not just the poor and the – it was affecting everybody. Correct. So in New York, the Gay Men's Health Crisis Center was started by Larry Kramer and his friends. And Larry Kramer is a very famous playwright and an author – Uh, if i could just sit here and play um interviews and conversations with larry kramer i would it's he's amazing and he was angry and he was pissed off oh i have to definitely he's just he's just this lightning bolt he was amazing and he would push back on every single politician every he was fighting so hard against all all of these things because people he had lost like 20 friends in eight months i mean it was just like insanely how it impacted the community was just it was devastating so these friends, they pulled their money and they started the Gay Men's Health Crisis Center and it provided social services and also for medical research because nobody else was doing it, right? Like nobody else was doing this research. Nobody was paying attention to it. Nobody was, even the, the CDC, they were issuing these statements like there's something happening.
0: Right. And no university, I feel like it it universities,
1: a lot of universities, no one's. It started, we'll, we'll get down okay. to the with the medical professionals, but it for the most part, these communities are the ones who funded this change to happen. So um, they, they pushed New York Mayor Ed Koch for assistance from the city's public health department to provide services and AIDS education about unsafe sex. And this fell on deaf ears. Because they were starting to figure out that if this person slept with that person. It was like a very community-like connect the dots that I, way.
0: I remember um, an exercise in school mm-hmm. where... In health class, mm-hmm. they gave one student, they gave us all like a slip of paper. One student has a dot and a number. And it was something like that. And then whoever had the dot had to stand up and say their number. Mm-hmm. And then that person stood up and said their number. And then that and so on and so on. And no one in the room was left sitting. Everyone right. stood and they said that's how. It gets spread. The the transmission. Right.
1: right. Okay, so um in San Francisco, gay community activists Bill Krause and Clev Jones founded um, found a new direction for gay rights. They were already fighting for gay rights, but now with so many of their friends coming down with these strange illnesses, it was like a whole nother ballgame. Uh, the San Francisco, it hit these two cities the hardest, San Francisco and New York. So, the San Francisco Department of Public Health began tracing the disease. And they linked it to certain sexual practices and made recommendations to stop having sex for gay men to, so they could avoid be, getting sick um and this directive defied the chief reason why many gay men had migrated to San Francisco and for what gay activists in San Francisco had fought for for years. So here we go where they're fighting this battle on two fronts. Like they're against city, they're fighting against city politicians who would rather not deal with gay men or their disease or give them money and then they were fighting against uh, gay men who refused to listen to these doomsday predictions or projections
0: like and continue to have unsafe sex and uh, um because they're like look I can do what I want and, and and they're not understanding right
1: we're out we're proud we just right. fought we were we've been doing these riots we were doing these protests to fight for our rights we're out here we're doing they're doing pride parades and this is who we are and then all of a sudden it was like, wait, like wait 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 slow down slow down slow down you know there's this disease now right like this whole thing it was such a short period of time that it just it it started it didn't click yet, right? Right? It didn't click that this was something that needed to be. There was no public education fast enough to slow it down. Um, but again, it wasn't their job to inform each other. Like it, it was, the the public health department's of course. job to do that to like try to get through to people like this is something we don't know what this is yet but right now we know it's spread this way so let's take a break and, and here, it gonna or, here
0: are measures to protect yourself yes. x y and z right and, and offering some information
1: yes So in these cities, it was the sizable gay communities that were responsible for raising the most money for research, providing the money for and subsequently the social services for the people who were dying and then educating themselves and other high risk groups. So like you can watch Larry Kramer in front of a group of people like, we're dying. Like he's screaming at them. Stop what you're doing. Like we're dying. We have to like get a hold of what's happening. Tell your friends. Tell everybody that you know that's doing. You have to stop what you're doing because you everybody is going to die. You know and so how scary it was it was frightening frightening so Larry Kramer would go on to form um, the AIDS coalition to unleash power which is called act up it's a political activist organization that forced government and media to pay attention to AIDS and to people who were dying in front of them you know Um, and they did really amazing protests like they did a die-in at the st. Patrick's Cathedral again Uh, yeah the cardinal was there at the time uh from new york and so you have to go to youtube and watch this video of the real protest they have you know the news media was there and all of these people walk in or get up from the pews it's a packed church because the cardinal was there and they get and mayor ed koch was in standing in one of the pews and the people get up and they walk into the aisle and they just i'm getting goosebumps they just lay down i am too my whole arm is they just laid down and died and then people were standing up saying, you're killing us. Why do you want to kill me? You're killing us. And they just, you know, they wouldn't get up. People, they were getting pulled out in, uh, you know, hogtied out of the church. Wow. But it was just this epic, amazing protest. And it didn't end. What they a, protested all, simple, all the time. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was amazing. And they protested everywhere all the time. They just knew they had to get atten- get everyone's attention to pay attention. You know, what is happening here? I people I remember
0: the, the one thing I remember coming to- towards... More the end, of or or where people were more aware mm-hmm. of uh, and accepting. Uh, it was the quilt, the AIDS quilt. Yes, so that's what I was just. Yeah. Gonna, oh my
1: god! So, so Clev Jones in San Francisco formed the Names Project that created the AIDS Memorial Quilt, the largest folk art display in the world. Um, so, there were things that they went on to do that continued this work. Um, it's also important to remember that before the AIDS crisis. There was this us and them mentality within the gay community. So it was like gay men, lesbians, bisexual, you know, bisexuals, trans. There wasn't a coalition of like, we are a family and we're a community. And it wasn't until the AIDS crisis hit where gay men were dying alone. Hmm. You know, nobody knew what caused it, where it was coming from. Even like medical professionals were like in full hazmat gear going in to take care of them because they had no idea you couldn't get it from being in the room and
0: breathing with somebody. Right. Right? And I, and I remember that being one of the, 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 the issues of the fear where, uh, like when children started getting, yes. And the Ryan White and all, and all of that of, yes, of, I don't want my children playing with him on the playground or, yes. And it's like, it doesn't transmit through saliva. It doesn't, tra- right. you know, and it, it wasn't,
1: it was just this, nobody knew what was going on. No. So, um, The way that this community came together and 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 grew together uh was because they had this common goal but also uh, i read amazing articles about the lesbians who took care of their gay brothers because nobody else was there like nobody would come in (laughs) nobody would come in and take care of them they had no idea what was going on and so You know, it was this way that it brought this community together and galvanized them to fight together. You know what I mean? It was the start of this change of this community that made them so powerful, like as powerful as they are today. It's so terrible that it came from this, but it's amazing. Okay. It's incredible. It's incredible. So let's talk about the medical community. All right. So the medical doctors were the first to deal with the toll that AIDS took on the United States. They were dealing with patient after patient who showed up in their offices with baffling diseases most notably and here we go i cannot pronounce these lymph node no lymph uh newman carni pneumonia kaposi sarcoma toxoplasmos pl- okay, i have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about virus and other infections so that were causing this the death by overloading a compromised immune system right so it was like something that it was something something you could get
0: and like get over in two days with killing young right healthy so man. they don't they still don't know what is the yeah. underlying connection to yes the cold or whatever right. infection why the, is this a lymph like i'm this. thinking there's some yes you know yeah some kind of infection. We're not somewhere. doctors. We're Listen, not we're doctors. Not gonna, we're gonna gonna get I it. have no
1: idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, with no information on how the disease was spread, hospital staff were often reluctant to handle AIDS patients and sometimes refused to treat them at all.
0: I mean, but that—that that seems like you would do the opposite. We don't know how to handle this. Let's figure it out instead of eh, see you later. Well, so like, so that's, that's why there's certain places, like when the gay
1: men's health crisis came. I mean, along, don't doctors don't, don't doctors, doctors take what is the oath? That they take that's like that that that's uh, thou thy will do no harm or whatever that that oath
0: yeah 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 the hypocrite yeah yes, like, wh- yes, yes, why yes, aren't yes. they I don't know I wish we, I can look it up right but it was scary um, it was
1: a scary time I, I feel like you have a duty and, when you're a doctor to and figure it these was things a commute let's not forget this is the most important part that underlines under is underlying in all of this is that it's a community that nobody gives a fuck about they don't care that they exist they ignore them 20 you know every moment of every day anyway they just don't want this they don't they don't care you know what I mean so maybe that has something to do with why uh, it took so long to figure this out but all right so the Public Health Department of San Francisco um, was handling the way they handled this new disease is they track down people who were sick and then linked them to other people who had symptoms just like we were talking about so now this Health Department is starting to do that and um, but on the opposite side, the New York City Public Health Department was doing very little, specifically when the public health director, David Sensor, refused to call AIDS an emergency and stated that, quote, the public health department need not do anything because the gay community was handling it sufficiently, which was but- not at all. They weren't doing, they couldn't do anything. How could they, they're not doctors. But that doctors. community is
0: part of the public, yeah. yes. and
1: they're not we're <laughs> talking about friends taking care of friends. How, no. that's like you getting sick and I'm like, oh, I'm Tina's doctor. That shit does not fucking exist. No. What the fuck is he talking about?
0: Okay. Yeah. No. Okay,
1: so around the same time, gay men were getting sick in the United, As the same time they're getting sick here, doctors in Paris were receiving patients who were from Africa and we're getting the same – having these same symptoms. So Parisian researchers began taking biopsies of HIV-infected lymph nodes and discovered a new retrovirus, which was
0: oh, wow. HIV. So, so they were proactive and they decided, yeah, they were figuring, let me think They let me were think researching about...
1: it and figuring it out. Mm. And they also had funding to do so, unlike well, this
0: this country. Yeah. Okay. But we're so, you know – So So progressive, we're so... Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Well,
1: this is, we're talking about the Reagan 1980s. So Mm -hmm. in the U.S., so that was happening in Paris. And then in the U.S., the National Cancer Institute, Robert Gallo, was also working on this virus, right? So now we, and they're communicating now. Now we're, this Cancer Institute is over here talking to uh, what was happening to the doctors in Paris or the scientists in Paris, the researchers in Paris. So the American doctor said, or Robert Gallo said, can you come over here with your sample? and let's see if we have the same thing right and so the parisian researchers brought over their the virus that they had figured like what they had figured out the retrovirus and because there was so much competition on who was going to figure this out oh god the parisian doctor like so there's switched so so now, the virus. Ego, so now there's ego absolutely involved. so he switched the samples and robert gallo ended up because of some like bullshit he ended up like working on these samples and he was working on his own sample and it wasn't figured out for another year. Oh God. Because, because the creation, Parisian, the
0: Parisians are like, we yes. want to, we want to be, we yes. want the recognition. We want to be it the saviors of the down. world. That's nice. Yes. That's nice.
1: So we're talking about N- another nice year job. Of,
0: of people dying. Nice job. Yeah.
1: So departmental ego and pride also slowed down research because the centers for disease control, con- the Centers for Disease Control, which is the CDC, and the National Cancer Institute's battled over funding of who might get credit for
0: medical discoveries that the were to come from... ego yeah. destroys everything. Yeah. I'm sorry. Welcome to the party. Sorry to all the men out there listening, but my God. Yeah. So they battled over
1: funding of who might get credit for medical discoveries that were to come from the isolation of HIV, blood tests to find HIV, or any other possible vaccine. Once AIDS became known as a, and then here's another part of it is that doctors were saying this is a gay disease, right? Which again furthered this myth of because it, at that point, it hadn't shown in anybody else, but they also right. didn't know what it was and that it could right. affect humans, right? Other humans, forget gay, human beings. They Correct. had no idea that that could do so that. So now they're endangering. Yes, yeah, So. Instead of acknowledging that it could be that it could transmit to other people, um, they furthered further put in danger um, babies, drug users. Like this is how you know hemophiliacs because they didn't know that it could affect uh, the blood. They had no idea that that's what it was about, right? So the discovery. So they didn't
0: figure out how it was transmitted exactly. Yet. Right. So the blood transfusion, the hemophiliacs, people who their blood doesn't clot yes. and they need to get blood transfusions. Which is what, what happened to the to Ryan, Ryan White. White. So yeah. we're
1: going to talk about him right now. So the discovery of AIDS in the nation's blood supply and, and subsequent lack of response by the blood bank leadership occurred as early as 1982. But it wasn't until 1985 when the AIDS antibody testing was approved by the FDA. That blood bank industry, it wasn't until then that the blood bank industry leaders acknowledged that HIV could be transmitted through blood transfusions. But we didn't. So then Ryan White, who's a teenager from Indiana, is a hemophiliac. And he got one of these blood transfusions that had blood in it that had HIV. And so he sued the school system. Because he he had HIV, they disclosed it to the school in in 1985, and um, the school said you can't come here, and so they had to sue the school. Right. I, I remember. Yes. I remember. Yes,
0: and I also remember the talk show circuit. They were
1: on every yes. talk show. Yes, so they sued the school, and it became national, worldwide news because there's here's now a, a child who has HIV, and it breaks. This stereotype of what this is and who can get it right if, which was a good thing because you needed to see a, another face of like stop saying this is a gay disease it affects it could affect
0: everybody but it's still horrible that it had to take so long and yes. have someone that the public could it's empathize acceptable, an acceptable with, like, image yeah. of like what this is right. so
1: here's so ryan white died on august 27th 1985 mm. from complications of having aids and then uh Pro- president ronald reagan says the word aids for the first time on september 17th 1985 which cannot be a coincidence that 15 days later after a very national public you know worldwide public figure kid i think he was 14 or 15 apologies that i'm not sure about it, 14 or 15 that dies Um, And then at this point, but at this point, 5,000 people in the United States had died from complications of AIDS, Mm. but it wasn't until Ryan White died that President Reagan had the nerve to actually say the word in in a statement, say that word come out of his mouth, you know? So let's get into the political agencies that failed on this on here. So the Centers of Disease Control, um, the CDC, it's the agency responsible for tracking down and reporting all communicable diseases in the United States and they faced governmental apathy in the face of mounting crisis they were doing the best they could do uh without without getting the funding that they needed they knew this was a crisis they had said it from the beginning they said it very loud and proud I believe in as early as 1981 but nobody was paying attention so they kept working, even though they were being denied funding for researching um, repeatedly. And then there was even frustration in the CDC fighting within itself over how much time and attention should be paid to this, to these issues. So, you know, you're also talking about doctors or researchers that are working in the CDC or like, who ca-, you know, who cares? Like, yeah. who cares if this is happening? It didn't, it wasn't as important to them as. So although Reagan administration officials like Health and Human Services Secretary Margaret Heckler and his assistant. Her assistant secretary, um, Edward Brandt, spoke publicly about the epidemic, calling it in 1983 its number one health priority. No extra funding was given to the Centers for Disease Control or the National Institutes of Health for Research. Um, The bills that the U.S. Congress pushed through were highly politicized and embattled, and a fraction of what was spent on similar public health problems. So this is a really interesting... um, This um,
0: is health care
1: yeah but this is an, a very interesting point that i know that you'll love is that the chicago tylenol murders oh so remember the chicago I too. so the 19, tampered yes they tampered
0: with the capsule yes so yeah. in
1: 19, october 1982 this is the same around the same time seven people died after ingesting cyanide laced Tylenol capsules and the New York Times wrote a front page story and they the Tylenol was a scare it was pulled off off the shelves yes. um, and at least they at least produced th- 33 more more um, stories about about that and then also more than a hundred law enforcement agencies and 1100 FDA uh, employees worked on the case Johnson and Johnson disclosed they spent a hundred million dollars to attempt to who's uncovering and tampering with these bottles right the same time period in October of 1982 634 people were reported having AIDS. And of those, 260 had died. And the New York Times had wrote written three stories about this. And none of them were on the front page. None. Three times as many people had died. Or three times. Like four times. No, they yes, it, yeah, It's ridiculous, but nobody wanted to discuss it. The yeah. Tylenol scare was more important than the gay community being ravaged right, by this disease. Because like, oh my God. You know. Right. It's just a very clear you know yeah that's the is awful yeah it's, so it's president awful. president ronald reagan neglected to address aids to the american people until 1987 so even though he had said aids in a statement he never came out and 1987? actually discussed it until 1987 Dear and then God. he directed the surgeon general um c everett coop to provide a report on the epidemic and even though coop was a political conservative his report was clear about what causes aids and what people in and what people in the United States government should do to stop it, including the sex being safe, having safe stuff, and sex, and also age education for, for should be provided to people, right? And on a civic level, the closure closure of gay bathhouses in San Francisco became a bitter political fight in the gay community. Some, you know, the parts of the gay community wanted them to stay open because it was a free space. It was a space they could be themselves and be who they yeah. are and love who they want and 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 just be free and. On the other side, you have this disease that's coming through. And 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 other people saying, let's just, we want to be safe. And the public health department saying, we need to close these houses. Okay. So the news media. So the U.S. news media had been criticized for ignoring the medical crisis because it did not affect people who mattered. And it only affected gays and drug addicts. And so it wasn't news that they wanted they cared about covering most newspapers would print stories about aids only when it affected heterosexuals sometimes taking particular interest in stories about aids and prostitutes um i'm sorry well, and not I, prostitutes right. sex workers right my and i
0: remember um magic johnson yes when that happened and it was it was huge, a, it was huge.
1: yeah um again and... another stereotype that was broken this is an athlete right. he's well, very heterosexual
0: etc etc et it, it was magic johnson. yes right yes, yeah yes. and you know, because that stereotype of the athlete yes. who gets around, who yes. does, you know, and and that's something that you know for those athletes that they're, you know, people look up at. They're like, oh, look at this guy; yes. he's getting around. Like yes. the, the notches on the belt. It did a lot. It did a lot to move that that needle forward. To
1: move the yes. move it
0: forward for the, in that in that
1: regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, the age was not. It, the AIDS AIDS was not reported in the Wall Street Journal until it involved heterosexuals, so it wasn't even brought up there. Many stories called AIDS a, gay quote, gay plague or, gay, quote, homosexual disease Ugh. in articles that pointed to showing up in new populations like hemophiliacs or people who had received blood transfusion. So they were still, even in those cases, calling it this gay disease. Um, on the other end of the extreme, a general phobia of AIDS was exasperated by the news media who erroneously reported that AIDS could not be contracted by household contact without checking any facts in their stories, which prompted mass hysteria mass hysteria across the United yeah, States. Yeah, and I
0: think that's where those urban legends came from that like you don't know who I, Did I, I say could not be or could be. It could be contracted. They contracted that way, you know what I mean? Right, house, yeah. Right. Um I I just remember with, with the Ryan White and I remember his mom talking about um, how her son was treated yes and ostracized and just that it's, it's just awful rather than there is no empathy around it and it, it was almost criminalized and
1: and also when you see the pictures of what these men looked like when they were dying it was horrible it's like skeletons almost it was they were just wasting away and right. there was no humanity given there was nothing in that view of like paying attention to this, these deaths in a way that these are real people i mean even their pictures of like them dying with their parents sitting next to them it's just
0: it's so horrific it's you terrible. Know? i i had a a friend when i was a teenager and it was a, a colleague but a friend and um he he contracted HIV and AIDS and I remember one of the last times that I saw him and it was sort of the same thing where he didn't really talk about it but we all knew mm-hmm. and I just remember he just looking at me saying I'm, I'm sick and I just grabbed his hands and it was really sad and he was a really great guy yeah and uh it, it and I do you know this is sort of a similar like I feel bad that it. It wasn't acknowledged, even though it sort of was acknowledged. Right, right. But um, I I just feel lucky that I grew up where I was around that community as a young person, that I um, never had the mindset of of looking at people who were gay in some negative light. And it just is horrible to me. And I remember hearing how people would talk, and I remember... Um, people with the signs, you know, um, dealing with HIV and and how like this is God. I, I forget there were some yes. horrible, horrible. It was like they deserved it or something. Horrible Maybe signs, and then there was that wonderful uh, Angels in America and yes, and all of that. So there were so many people trying to do wonderful things and and drawing attention to it, and I just think living in a more, at least for me, like living in a in a place that was more open. But yes. then you think about places across the country that um, have such a narrow mindset and how horrible, like it's just that wasted time. It is. So much wasted time for nothing. I know. For nothing. I know. Especially since as soon as they figured
1: out what it, what it was and they figured out how to get these, the drugs to them and, and to get them the drugs that they needed to, to stop it, to stop the, 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 the from attacking their blood cells, the, yeah. the virus. Um, the deaths stopped. Like didn't st- I want right. to say stop? Com- like slowed down to a pace that was unbelievable. Right, like an unbelievable pace. It all stopped. You can look at these charts where it's like people die, people are dying, people are dying. and then all of a sudden it's like boom, it just goes straight down Ugh. because this is as soon as like I think it was like 1996 those drugs yeah. came out and that was it.
0: You and know? they were really expensive. I remember yes. at first it were it just and they weren't so astronomical. Great yeah,
1: and they weren't so great. And now, now they've gotten better. Yeah. So let me finish this off real quick with the uh, with the media. So again, with that little short seven and a half minute video, you can go to VanityFair.com. It's called um, When AIDS Was Funny, and it's by Scott Coli- Colonico. And he unearthed these clips from press briefings during the Reagan administration. And journalist Lester Kinsolving is the first person of the press, he's a conservative journalist, to ask the Reagan administration about Gay men dying from this mysterious disease. Um, It's laughed off by the press secretary. Larry speaks and the rest of the press secretary. Yeah. And the rest of the press corps, they're all laughing. Um, When he says gay community, they all start laughing. Um, And it it is a real snapshot of the attitude of the administration and most of the country of that day. It's seven and a half minutes. And he, the way he, he, he picks up 1982, it's first brought up, and the guy's laughing. He brings it up, but he's constantly bringing it up. He plays another clip from 1983. The guy's still laughing. He's like, why are you so interested in this topic? <laughs> like a, like almost like an inference that the guy's gay. Like it's – Oh, so and you then only can care about other people who – uh, the people who are gay. If you yourself if you are, gay. are right, okay. and it's also like at this mm. point, 1981, like 207 people had died, and then like 1983, it shows 500 so many people oh died. 1984, and so as he's asking these questions, you see the death rate going up and up and up, and how the Reagan administration treated it as if a joke. That's the face of your administration is the press secretary. Of course, this is the person who's That's answering why I said about, about it. The press secretary. Yeah, he's up laughing. There laughing. He's <laughs> making jokes, and in the background of the video are just pictures of men who are dying. And it's a, a incredibly moving, uh, seven and a half minutes. It's terribly sad, but it is a real snapshot of like what exactly was going on and how we got to the place where we got. Well, if you, you know?
0: talk about top down, if, yes. that's, if that's where it is at the top, how can you expect exactly people to respect or have an interest or empathize with the situation? Right. So today, um,
1: there are approximately 37.9 million people living across the globe with HIV or AIDS. Um, An estimated 1.7 million people worldwide become newly affected with HIV every year. Um, With new antiretroviral drugs available today, people who are aware of their status can take these drugs daily It keeps, they get and keep an undetectable viral load and live long, healthy lives with no risk of sexually transmitting HIV to their partners. This is amazing to me. Wow, This is amazing that you can have HIV and your viral load is so low that you won't, you won't even give it to another person. It's just, it's thinking about where they were and where we are now. And there's a drug called PrEP. And so PrEP is, uh, it is a pre-exposure prophylaxis. So... When you take it and you're, you take it when you're HIV negative and it prevents you from ever getting the infection. Wow! So you can have sex with someone who's HIV positive and without a condom. And if you're on this prep and you won't get it, like it gives, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. Um, And then there's really great charts and and graphs. And I'd like to put all these up on Instagram, but I don't know about, but maybe we'll put links to these, but it just shows who's living with it now and like in San Francisco today the majority of people living with HIV are over 50 years old so it's it's just really changed the dynamic of like you know people were dying and then it kind of it, like I said it slowly stopped to where now people are older and have this and um, the worst part for me it was like watching videos of people talking about how all of these men who died have been forgotten and like even generations today like don't understand what they all of those folks had to go through to get where they are now and how the lives that were lost um, because because of this disease and the lack of of empathy um, or you know from from everyone around them from the media to their to their uh to their
0: government wow so that's my story it's it's wonderful it's a lot it's a lot. Yeah, I know. It's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah.
1: I hope is yours heavy?
0: Mine is not heavy. Okay. So <laughs> thank God. Mine is not heavy. So we'll end on um a lighter note. Okay, good. Yes. So uh my story is about a man named Frank Tissone Tissone. I'll say Tissone. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. But it looks like Tissone to me. And some of my sources um were Uh, The New York Times, um, an article by Michelle O'Donnell, um, another article by Paul Vitello, New York Magazine, Robert Kolker, um, and Paul Vitello again, Um, a Newsday article by Joy Terrell, and a Vanity Fair article by Julie Miller, and all of those are going to be posted in our episode notes. So uh, who is this guy? So Frank... um, Tissone was uh, a Long Island, a Rosalind, Long Island School District Superintendent, and he served as uh, the superintendent to the Rosalind School District from 1992 until 2004, and he had a long history in public education. Um, he served as a superintendent in the Rynette District from 1989 to 92, and before that he worked for the Long Island School District in Leviton, Levittown.
1: Yeah, Levittown. Levittown,
0: as an assistant superintendent of instruction from 1986 to 1988 after working as a principal in the Malpac School District. So like many before him, this (laughs) muckety-muck really messed things up big time. So our story takes place in Nassau County, New York, which is on the western edge of Long Island, and it's a pretty affluent area. To give you some perspective, the average household income in that area is about 108000 a year. Okay, So, you know, it's more upper class. And if you remember your Gatsby, <laughs> the novel is set in Nassau County along the Gold Coast. So it's been known for its glitz and its glam for a long time. And Frank, he's sort of like the main character of uh, Gatsby, uh, of Gatsby himself, you know, a man of ordinary birth who wants to make his way into what seems like an untenable world. You know, this, this world that is just luxury and, you know, the epitome of the American dream, right? And like Gatsby, he, he <laughs> makes his way through deception. Mm. Uh, Frank uh, wins over the people and the parents of Rosalind School District, and he's this wolf in sheep's uh, clothing. So before we step into the main muck, I like to always give a little bit of background on our person. So like I said, um, Frank Tessone ended uh, his career in Nassau County in 2004. But in 2002, a couple years prior, a few odd things happened that leads up to this demise for him. So Nassau County schools, while public, are some of the top New York schools because of that affluent community that is around it the parent involvement a lot of the stay-at-home moms like it's like yeah. strong PTA you have yep. a strong PTA you have a lot of money going into your schools yeah so this guy sort of used that as a way to cover up some of his misdeeds so in the fall of 2002 this guy to Sony Frank we'll just call him Frank from now on he had a friend who was superintendent of business and her name was Pamela Gluckin And she had a son. And her son, in the fall of 2002, takes a trip to local Home Depot. And he goes to the Home Depot. He buys some building supplies. And the clerk at the Home Depot thought it was a little weird that there was a guy buying supplies with a Rosalind School District credit card. Oh, But... They're not in Rosalind County, so it would be like someone from Palm Beach County in Miami at a Home Depot using, like, there's a million Home Depots along the way. Yeah. Why are you coming over here? Yes, yes, yes. So, um, and that the delivery for these supplies was going to a personal address and not a school right. or some other place. Got it. So this guy, this clerk, this is a regular guy at Home Depot says, I'm going to make a phone call. And decides to call the school district and say, hey, I had this guy the other day, a little weird, I thought you should know.
1: Good grief. So, could you imagine it, that
0: much time on your hands? Right. And so <laughs> busted, right? Bad boys. Bad boys. <laughs> what, what you I gonna do? do? What, what you gonna do when they I... oh, come? What, you, what I, are you gonna do? About, we're not going We're singing about... <laughs> yeah. So what are you gonna do? Well, if you're Gluckin', you're gonna thank your lucky stars at your buddies with Frank Tassone because he's head superintendent. Wow. And so... When a school board auditor digs into that Home Depot, um, he discovers about $250,000 worth of spending that did not go to the Rosalind County School District. So he gives to Sony, Frank, he gives him the 411. He's like, listen, your friend. There's something going on here. And to Sony, being this clever guy, he decides, I mean, I see it as him preying on, the vanity and pretentiousness of this particular district and the people of that district. Instead of pressing charges, he goes directly to the school board. And he's like, listen, guys, uh, the auditor has uncovered this thing with our superintendent of business. And this is going to bring us some bad press. Oh, gosh. For years. I mean, we've got kids that, you know, they want to go to the Ivy League. We've got, you know, we've got, we've got uh, our property Values. We don't want reporters. Yeah. We don't want news. And who knows cameras. what else will find by the way? We don't well, he <laughs> doesn't say that. He just says, We don't want the vans. This is not gonna be good. And so they of course are like, Oh yeah, like oh well, you know, the kids gotta get in the college. We don't want I mean, this is a good upstanding community. Mm-hmm. We don't want any of that noise around us. We, you know, we uh will agree with you and say that this could not be good. So he convinces them not to press charges. And they, these school board members, agreed to let Gluckin repay the money, right, give us back the 250000 Dang. resign quietly, right? It was all swept under their lush, posh carpeting. But when you got a pile of dust under the carpet, mm-hmm. that dust is going to come muck <laughs> up those shiny little floors yeah. and things are going to get bad. So. Here's how Tisone ends up going down. So she resigns and they think everything's great. Now fast forward two years later in 2004, and he goes down in one of my favorite ways possible. The anonymous letter. Oh
1: my gosh! I what is with I, you I, in the anonymous letter. Is there a website you're going to to find these stories? No,
0: uh, but I'm. Uh, one day, I mean, maybe you one like writing day. The letter. I, you
1: like writing, and it's like I gotta find another, another anonymous another, letter. I
0: was so excited when I saw
1: that there was an anonymous <laughs> oh letter God. involved. If I, I ever know. get a letter, it's anonymous. I know it came from you. It's
0: over. I know. Maybe one day I'll write. I just have this image of, you know, the Machiavellian image of someone laughing maniacally like, ha, ha, ha And they get out their pen and they're like, I'm going to craft this letter yes. and send it out. I don't know. I just love it. Like. I, I don't well, know. Also,
1: because nowadays, if you send, you can't send anonymous emails, but you could still send a letter. You can, but you got to get that like murder she wrote typewriter where like the yes, one letter's yes. off and the typewriter, like, the T's backwards right, or something like right. that. So they know it came from you.
0: Right. And, <laughs> you know, really, have any, has anyone out there written an anonymous letter? Mm. Or do you, you if, if you have, like, please send it to our Gmail. I've got to know the story if you've done anything or if you know anyone that's received an anonymous letter. I'm just, Especially, especially if curious. it's like one when they cut out the letters in the paper <laughs> they like paste a magazine. It on. <laughs> oh my god, the best. So, this anonymous letter gets mailed out to a bunch of politicians Ooh. and other high-ranking folks. Yes. And allegedly it says that Tissoné and Glucken stole fucking. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe, but okay. I don't think so. <laughs> stole a ton of money in the millions. Whoa. But whoever sent this letter they sent one of them to the wrong address, and the way that the envelope, however they addressed it or what was on it, the post office thought that this was meant for the school district, oh, and God. so they deliver it to, to him. He Ooh. gets the letter himself Ooh. yes, time's
1: up, motherfucker right. but
0: <laughs> but now he's got he now he's received the letter, like everyone's oh, getting it, shit. and now he has it too. he's got a heads up. he's got a heads up, okay. so he starts to try to cover his butt he's like. Hey, guys, uh, you know that letter that's been going around? It's a bunch of BS. Don't believe a word of it. That sort of thing. You know, like there's Come no on. truth to and it. And everybody fell for that. Well, investigators start sniffing around. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, that 250000 that's the tip of the iceberg. Oh, my gosh. They realize that, that Frank's champagne wishes and caviar <laughs> dreams, <laughs> 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 they've all been funded. By money that he's funneled out of the school. And it was upwards of $11 million <gasps> Tina, that he took it. out. Yeah. $11 million? $11 million. I think it was like $11.2 million. But cow. it's not just him. So it's, how did he do it? Like, how in the heck does somebody take that much money out of a school district? So he padded the books. Mm. He faked bids for, you know, construction, this and that fabricated records he set up fake businesses there was one business that was um it was called word power and the ceo was a steven signorelli mm-hmm. and it was supposedly it supposedly did the school's word processing and it was listed though under Tosoni's personal address oh my god and that company was paid about eight hundred thousand dollars oh my gosh. in expenses over the years yep yeah. in addition he filled very key positions throughout the district right. with his can... buddies. Yeah,
1: cuz you can't do this on your own.
0: No, so someone's but everybody voices. everybody checking... was taking money. Of so course. he got so out of that I love it wasn't like he just took 11 million like Gluckin took money, he took money, this one took money. It was all these people Whoa. were involved. So he put them in these places where they could approve checks. Yes. Where they could do other things without yes. incident. No one's checking because he's like, okay, I need someone here that's going to approve this thing. I need someone in this office that'll, you know, hide that Yeah, but you hide know, when you do thing. stuff
1: like that too, though, you've got more chances of being someone who's sending that letter. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's somebody, right. you got too many people on the up and up. There's
0: too many things. Yeah. Or on so, the down low, I guess it's what I yeah, should say. Yeah. Right. So what does he do with this money? He took trips to Vegas. All this stuff he wrote oh, off. Really? Trips to Vegas. He went gambling in Vegas. Um, went to Europe. Why do you got to go to Vegas? He already hit the jackpot. I know, well, he wants to play that big roller lifestyle. Uh, he made mortgage payments on his house. He drove a Mercedes, bought jewelry, entertainment. He spent upwards of $70,000 in groceries that he wrote off um, for the school oh, as expenses. My gosh. Um, Botox treatments. Hey. Yes. And it's so funny. There's one quote and it's, you know, um, so they're in this, this area and, um, it was one of the PTA moms said that he had showed up at a, at a meeting. And, uh, and he had like the rocket, something that you could tell. And, and she was like, I know, I know a cosmetic treatment when I see one. And he said oh, wow. it was from something else, but they were like, oh, he definitely got work. So everyone's like, Ugh. oh, look at him getting his work done. Ugh. And so they would talk about these things. Is there anything worse than Botox on a, on <laughs> on a man? Guy. Like well, League. let me, let me show you. Oh my God. If I see um, some shiny forehead, I know. I'm going to show you a, a picture of this guy. <laughs> so this is one of my favorites. So he's got like this, this like puss that he always puts on where like, the mouth is is Ugh. frowning down and um this is and we'll put it up on our instagram but this is a picture of him and his lawyers ew what um, is this
1: problem he's
0: got like that the the sourpuss face yeah he's sad he got caught yeah and then this is a picture of him in his in his better days so there we go. I ha- I, he looks like somebody who represents me in the Florida House. I got to tell you, that's what he looks <laughs> like to me. Yeah, he's definitely. So you know, the ladies would talk about, like, look at this guy. He got some work done, and other people said, well, he looked the. Ap- you know, he's got to look apart for for representing this district. You know, um, but he also was. Um, they also said it was thirty two thousand dollars worth of dry cleaning. You oh know. My God. Yeah, I mean, he just. He's in this Pampered. fancy he pampers yeah. himself. He's in this fancy <laughs> upscale place. He's from an upper class up, well really a middle class upbringing from the Bronx. but he went to a good school. He went to Columbia, He had a PhD in English. Um, he presented himself in a way that reflected the values, mm. right, of Rosalind. But like that Gatsby, you know, it's all a facade. Right, right, right. And then I wonder, like, is he reflect? He's reflecting back, you know, that sort of shallowness, that vanity right. of that community. They want the best of the best. They want the best classes, the best teachers, the best of everything. And in this guy, they did get it. He served that to them. He gave them innovative enrichment programs. Um, He was known for being very attentive to the parents and the faculty. He would write, you know, he would send handwritten cards to people. He knows where his bread is buttered. That's why. And even teachers would say he was really friendly and accessible. And I feel like in any position, you know, the superintendent is the top, top. In any position, the top CEO, the workers usually don't feel like they can just approach that person. There is always that distance. But he eliminated that distance and made everyone feel really comfortable. So everyone loved this guy, he would send these newsletters home about like, uh, character traits of honesty and and all of these things. And meanwhile, he's the swindler. So um, the aftermath of everything is that he pleads guilty rather than face trial. And during his sentencing, he says, my actions were shameful, deplorable. I'm deeply sorry to the people of Roslyn and to the children. And so in the end, he gets sentenced for seven years, and he's got to pay back about $3 million. Wow. Which was his financial part of those scams. And he paid them back by 2007. Wow, okay. So in in three years. So, um, So the other thing is he gets out in, he got sentenced to seven years, but he got out in less than four years. And people were pissed off. Wow. He got out less than four years, and the kicker he still gets to collect an annual pension of $173,495.04. Well, I guess
1: we find out why he can, how he can pay back the $3 million. Yes. I
0: mean, so while in prison, that's $694,000 that he collected. And he probably had some of that money. You know, he probably was able to right. sell stuff, this, that, right, and the other, right. and, and pay this stuff back. So now he's out of prison collecting a nice pension. It's crazy. Well, you know, I, I, it, it's crazy. It is the
1: pressure to keep up with the Joneses, you know what I mean, or whatever and that is. In, but and he's in There's no excuse for it, that's for sure. Oh, my
0: God. So one good thing that came out of this was that the New York governor at the time, Pataki, he signed a new law that requires a tighter, uh, tighter fiscal responsibility via audits and also having school board members undergo financial training so that they understand what's going on. And so, of course, my little points of interest that I like to throw at the end. <laughs> um, one thing that I found really funny was in 2015, a guy named Frank Tassoni was running for office and the opposition, I guess, looked that name up and it was a different Frank Tassoni, but they found this one and they made all these flyers with his face on it saying like, this guy's horrible. Oh, Don't no! vote for him. Meanwhile, it's like the wrong person. <laughs> so how, that's a big that's oops. Funny, yeah. yeah but... So I thought that was really funny. The other thing I thought was interesting is how did no one figure out that there were seventy-four there were seventy-four credit cards out in the Rosalind School District name that people were using and money being spent. If it wasn't for that Home Depot clerk, right, who was like, "This is a little weird," like some random Home Depot guy that made a phone call. How much longer would it would they have ever gotten caught? Right, it's it's wild. It is so um, no one noticed. The other thing I thought was interesting was that, you know, he was this English major guy and he, um, I believe he did his dissertation on Charles Dickens and he was, he, his degree was from Columbia and he was a member of the Charles Dickens Society. Mm. And he ended up being head of like the, the society from his area and he built membership up in the club. And maybe this is a little bit of foreshadowing, but when he was a member of that and and he was no longer part of the club as a member they had, uh the club had received on loan a charter that was signed by charles dickinson's uh children oh my gosh and it was it was never returned supposedly like he never returned it oh my gosh yes yes and so you know he's like the artful dodger you <sighs> know he just <laughs> you know so you know he seems he's always sort of like a little a little bit of a swindler and then the other thing i saw i, I found really interesting was who is this guy really? Because supposedly, in his he was supposedly very very private about his personal life. Mm-hmm. And on his desk in his office, there was a picture of a woman that he said was his wife, who had died very young. Oh gosh! But um, and he presumably lived alone, and people really didn't see him. They it was just this picture was there, and um, but it turns out that he had a longtime partner. Remember that CEO of uh, WordPower, that Steven Signorelli? That was his partner. And no one knew about it. And so I don't know why he hid this. You know, it was in the 90s and 2000s. It's Long Island. It's progressive. But was the wife even real? Like, did he, like, make up a dead wife to immediately gain empathy from people? And that's, like, the start of how he works this game it's just that to me was so interesting yeah that there's this picture no one sees him with anyone and then it's like oh he's still pining for his long dead wife who died very young so I don't know if there was ever a wife or not I couldn't get any I doubt it confirmation on it but I thought how interesting wow and um of course, how in the world does a guy keep his pension? Like you do all of this stuff and you get to keep that this the, the, you get to keep that money. I just feel like no, you should forfeit that, but whatever. And then a last fun fact <laughs> is that last year in 2019, Hugh Jackman stars Ooh. as Frank Tassone <gasps> in a out. movie called Bad Education. and it's oh. written by a Michael Makowski, who is a former Rosalind student. Get out.
1: Awesome. Yeah, he was a middle
0: school student when it oh, all went down. That's so awesome. HBO bought the rights to it, so I don't know when it's gonna come on HBO, but I can't wait to see it. I'm oh very my excited. Gosh, that's it,
1: yeah. That's and awesome. I have a
0: fun uh picture. So so Rosalind is unhappy. Like they so uh it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival and it got really great reviews. Everybody loved it, except for the people Rosalind, because they're probably <laughs> like, We want this to go away right. and now here it is, it's back in the limelight. And I have um I have this this side by side of uh, to Sony and Jackman, and I feel like he does such a great job of of really getting into character, of with with the furrowed oh, brow, yes, like, yes, it's it so, good. so good. Yeah. So I'm really excited for that to come out. But yeah, excellent. It's a little <gasps> short and sweet, but no, I yeah. love it. It's so good. <laughs> it's it's wild. It's wild that that someone has. It's so much money he doesn't serve much jail time he's probably in a federal prison he gets out in three and a half years and he he's still making more money than me
1: yeah but also also, yeah
0: it's nuts and also
1: that other people he was able to to get other people to go along with it too that's that's really scary i mean you know even how do you even approach that subject with somebody yeah you know what i mean like hey i'll protect you or whatever but this other wood glockman pamela yes i mean she went down and he probably honestly well, she said he, i mean
0: she she played a pretty big part she did
1: and i think that may i mean it's possible that he was like i'll i'll keep just go down quietly and i'll give you a little bit of money along the way like you know oh, probably enough well he, he was probably money.
0: look you're either gonna go to jail yeah let's let's clean this up yeah, yeah. just and it was away. her i mean it was her son yes. that went to the home depot and oh, messed it my all up
1: gosh it's crazy yeah oh so good yeah oh my gosh Episode yeah. five. Episode five done. <laughs> I wonder how long we'll be doing that. Can you believe we're on episode da da da? Do you think we'll do that forever? I well,
0: I will be excited when we get to like episode 50 or, oh you know, gosh. something like that. will be, be awesome. amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right, girl. Well, yeah. Thank you guys again for listening. Um, visit our Patreon page. Uh, we are always looking for supporters. So um, if you want to donate and help us keep. Uh, keep this going we would love it and again follow us on social media at the muck podcast at Instagram and Facebook and also tell your friends tell
1: your family we have so many people who are now sharing it with everybody that they love and we're getting such great feedback. It's so awesome to hear from all of you. And if you have a story you want to share, I know I've seen some people this week and they keep telling me they've got stories. I'm waiting to hear them. So yes, please send them to send us. Send them to us at themuckpodcast at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from you and we really appreciate your support. Thank you for always uh, listening. Yes. All right. So girl, yeah. next week I'll see you. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of
1: support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Docherty.